Thank you, Brother Terry, and thank our choir and our praise team and all of you for worshiping this morning. And so I pray the Lord was, uh, the Lord was honored and the Lord was glorified. If you brought your Bibles, turn to the book of Revelation. Last week, we looked at the book of Revelation, Revelation 19. This week, we want to look at Revelation chapter 20. Last week, we looked at Revelation 19, verse 1 through 9, where we as believers, the church, also known as the bride of Christ, were betrothed to Him, engaged to Him, promised to Him at our salvation to be His bridegroom, the bridegroom to the Lord Jesus. He sealed that engagement, that betrothal with the Holy Spirit, and he promised on a day, someday, we're waiting, we're waiting, someday that he would come back for us. It's known as the rapture in theological circles. First Thessalonians 4 refers to it as being caught up or snatched away or caught away. And he's coming back to take us to heaven. That will be the rapture, the catching up of the church. And while in heaven... After the judgment seat of Christ, then we will, he will present us as a holy church without spot, blemish, we'll be pure, we'll be like him. Then the celebration will begin for about a thousand years, a thousand year reign, corresponds with that, correlates with that, and it's going to be a very happy time. The sad thing is not everybody is going to be in heaven. So this morning I want to share with you about a great white throne. Revelation chapter 20, and we'll look in just a few minutes at verses 11 through 15. Now, when I speak of revelation, revelation, the word revelation, now the book is revelation, it's not revelations, it's just one revelation. So the word revelation translates to the word unveiling, unveiling. So John, who gave us 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, is the author of this book. He's writing it down. He's recording what God shows him. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him gave to Jesus to show his servants, John being one of those, things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. So God has given this revelation to Jesus. Jesus is passing this revelation on to John. John is on this island, island called Patmos. He's been abandoned, but the Bible says that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, chapter 1, verse 10, and then God gave him this vision that we have in the book of Revelation. There's 22 chapters of this revelation given to John. Now remember, Jesus Christ is given this vision to John, these are the words of Jesus Christ, giving to John. Now, that's important because these are not my words. These are not my words. But these are the words of God. 
Now that makes a big difference. I'm not giving my personal opinion. When we read, what we read is coming from God's Word, the Holy Scripture. These are God's Word. I believe these words. I believe these words in Revelation as much as I believe John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so with the infallible, inerrant, inspired Word of God, did you know that Jesus taught three times as much about hell than he did heaven? Think of that. Get your concordance. Or look it up. Google it. And you'll see that Jesus spoke three times about hell more than he did about heaven. So here's the point. The point being Jesus was so compassionate to warn us that what he was actually saying is, whatever you do, you don't want to go to hell. So three times as much about hell than heaven. He loved us so much that he came from heaven to warn us about hell. He loved us so much that he gave his word, the Holy Scriptures, to show us how we can be reconciled to a holy God. He loved us so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross to suffer your punishment, my punishment, that you and I could be reconciled to a holy God. He, lo he loved us so much that after He died on the cross that He left His Holy Spirit here on this earth. He would not leave us as orphans. He left the Holy Spirit here to convince us, to convict us that His message is true. He loved us so much that He gave us the Bible, which from Genesis to Revelation is a story about redemption. God loves us so much that Christ died for us, and He wants to bring us to himself. God wants to bring us to himself. And so if there is a hell to shun, and there is, Jesus talked three times more about it than he did heaven. We believe there's a heaven, amen? Well, why wouldn't you not believe when he said there's a hell? So he loves us so much, and he's so gracious, so precious, so compassionate as a holy God to pause and tell us what we need to do that would be possible for us to make sure that we're going to go to heaven and not to hell. That comes from a compassionate God. Now, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Remember, these are the words of God to Jesus, from Jesus to John and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to us. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, 
standing before God. And the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to open your word. Speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Give me the words to say. Give me the Spirit to say them in. Allow your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and guide and touch our hearts about the reality of this place called hell, the reality of the place called heaven, the reality that we can trust Jesus Christ and Him alone to be our Savior and be with you forever in this place called heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let's, we need to get something up straight up front. As you search your Bible, you'll find that nowhere in the Bible, the Bible speaks of nothing about opportunities for a person to be able to have the opportunity to get their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life after death. If your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, it's going to be before death. After death, there's no second chances. There's no second chances. Now, I'll, you say, well, Brother Sammy, I'll, I'll take my chance. I'll be, I'll, I'll take, I'm going to take my chance. I'm going to be saved after I die. I challenge you to take God's Word, the Holy Scripture, and show me second chance privilege after a person dies. The point is, if you're standing at the great white throne judgment, you're going to be cast into a lake of fire. That's the point. Those are not my words. You say, well, your words are real harsh, Brother Sammy. Let me just share the words of Christ. Verse 15, And anyone found not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Those are his words. And I would be a disgrace to the call of God on my life if I didn't tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing about the truth when it comes to heaven, but when it comes to hell. Now the question is, why would anybody go to church and desire a preacher or anyone of authority to tell them anything but the truth, especially about heaven and hell? You want the truth. Amen? I'm sharing the truth. This is what Jesus said. And one of the choice deceptions of Satan is to convince an individual that a loving God would never cast anyone into a lake of fire, therefore contradicting his loving nature. 
May I remind you that not only is he a God of love, but he's a just God. And if he has a heaven, then he has a hell. Now, the Old and the New Testament are consistent with God's holy and just character. In that God will apply a full measure of judgment to the unbeliever. Remember how God judged the angels that sinned against him? Do you remember how God judged his own son in order that we could be saved and we could be and we could go to a place called heaven and not have to go to a place called hell? He judged the angels, he judged his son, and you're saying he's not going to judge an unbeliever for rejecting his son? July the 8th, 1741, famous preacher Jonathan Edwards preached a famous sermon. The title of it was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And Edwards was so blind that he had to that he had to hold his manuscript. There is enlarged. His is enlarged. If Edwards could enlarge his, his would probably be really enlarged. But he had to hold the manuscript, the, the sermon up so close to his face to read it. He was near blind. Can you imagine me standing here preaching and trying to read a manuscript? That's what Edwards did. He, was, he held it so close that people could not even see his expressions on his face, but at the same time, they, were, they would cry out during the sermon, Mr. Mr. Edwards, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And so today, John the Revelator is telling us, the same John that gave us John 3.16, telling us that there's going to be a great white throne. So if you're taking notes, point number one, there's a great white throne. There's a great white throne. There's a great throne. It's great because of the rank and the dignity of the judge who occupies it. God's on the throne. It's great because of the extent of the judgment. It's great because the masses of people, and we'll talk about that in a moment, that's going to be standing before the judge on the white throne. It's great. It's a great throne. This is a judgment throne. This is not a royal throne. It's a judgment throne. And so at this judgment throne, the fate of millions, the fate of millions, will be sealed because they rejected Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. It's great. It's great. A great throne. Not only great, it's white. White. The white speaks of his divine holiness, speaks of his purity, speaks of the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, speaks of justice. It's white. It's a great white throne. It's a throne signifying unlimited majesty. One who has the right to dispose of the destiny of his creatures. 
My goodness, what majesty is sitting on that throne. I'm going to tell you something. Satan has been really effective to convince mankind for centuries that there is no future punishment and there is no final accounting before a holy God. He's been really good at that. So here's the point. Satan's really been good of lying and saying, hey, there's not going to be no future punishment. There's not going to be no eternal punishment in a place called hell. There's not going to be that. There's not going to be that. But you see, the point is the lie of Satan, that there's no final accountability, is really fully exposed in God's Word in verse 15. And anyone found written not written in the book of life, was cast into a lake of fire. Duh. Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe Satan? Or are you going to believe the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Scriptures? God is holy. God is just. And as the old saying goes, you can bet your bottom dollar, or if you'd rather... Not do that, you can take it to the bank. God's going to judge sin. He's going to deal with sin. So first, there'll be a great white throne judge, and it involves all the unsaved dead of all times, not just a judgment of... It's not a judgment of believers, but it's a judgment of unbelievers. All who appear before this throne is going to be condemned. No second chance, no second chance. It's on this side of the grave that you're saved. It's not after you die. You're not going to hang out in purgatory somewhere. You are going from here to heaven or to hell, and we'll deal with that in part two next week. But right now, when's all this going to happen? Well, first, Jesus is going to return for his church, and church is going to be raptured, and church is going to be caught up. And then there's going to be this great judgment seat for the church caught up. We're going to stand before the judgment seat, not to be judged whether we're saved or lost, but we're going to be evaluated for what we did with what God has blessed us with. That's not just your money. That's your, that's your spiritual gifts. That's your, that's, your, uh, that's your attendance to services. Hebrews 9, 20, 10, 27. How faithful have you been to come to the Lord's house to worship. Did you know that 50% of those who profess to be Christians are not in church today? But third, we'll experience as believers, as the church, and we talked about it last week, the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we will be presented to Jesus Christ without spot, the church being presented without spot or blemish, and we will be holy as He is holy. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. And then not long after that, we're going to enter into that thousand-year millennial reign with Christ. And then you'll have the battle of Armageddon take place there at the Valley of Jehoshaphat, Valley of Jezreel. And then sixth, you have the final judgment of unbelievers which will come at the great white throne, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Now look, if you will, at verse 11 and 12. 
I saw a great white throne on him set on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And so the world passes away. That world that the unsaved loves so much is all of a sudden taken away. Let me tell you this. If you don't have Christ, one day you won't have anything. If you're saving it all for here, it's all going to be gone. Not going to have anything. And so you have this great white throne. And it'll take place after the battle of Armageddon. And who's going to be there? Number three, if you take a note, the dead. The dead. The dead unbelievers will be there. John said, I saw the dead. The dead here are the wicked dead from the days of Cain, where he slew his brother Abel, all the way to the last sinner who rebels against God at the close of the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth. Right before that close. From the very beginning to the very end, there at the Battle of Armageddon, the dead. Suddenly, suddenly, now it, it just said all of a sudden there's the dead. The dead. Just suddenly there's the resurrection of the wicked dead. Now remember, when God raised the righteous dead at the rapture, you heard a shout. You heard a shout of the Son of God as He came for His bride. There's no shout here. When Christ came for the righteous dead, you heard a shout. When Christ came for the righteous dead, you heard a trumpet. There's no trumpet sound. When Christ came for the righteous dead, you heard the voice of the archangel. There's no voice here. We don't even see the presence of an angel here. Why is that? Because these are not His people. These are not His children. These are not His friends. There's no sound. There's no noise. There's nothing but the eternal power of God going into the sea, going into the graves, going into the Hades, going into the underworld, everywhere there are bodies of the doomed, the unholy dead, and in a moment, there's a multitude standing before this throne. You get the picture? And he says, listen, the small's there. The great's there. The small shots, the big shots. They're there. The kings are there. The queens are there. Those large and small. Presidents will be there. Of our country, perhaps. Some of our presidents were deists. They believed in God. Must I remind them that the Scripture says, In John 14, you believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus. 
They believed in God, but they'd refuse to believe in Him. And the dis will be there. You know why a person goes to hell? They reject Jesus Christ. That's why they go to hell. The refined will be there, the vulgar will be there, the civilized, the uncivilized, the beggar. Beautiful women will be there, and handsome men will be there, and teenagers will be there. Church members will be there. The procrastinator who believed tomorrow they would make a decision for Christ, but tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow never came. Church members will be there. Hypocrites will be there. You can meet the pastor and never know the master. They'll be there. The point is, every individual who dies without Christ comes to this judgment. Jot down Philippians 2, verse 10. Philippians 2, verse 10 says this, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, Kyle read this a few minutes ago, of those in heaven and those on earth, those under the earth, Every knee's going to bow here. You refused to bow your knee before you died, and now you're going to bow your knee at the great white throne. Romans 14, verse 11. There it says again, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. There it is, not me, it's what he says. Then there again, Isaiah 45, 23. I thought this was kindly interesting. 45, 23. I have sworn by myself, the word was gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess an oath. You think he's serious about this thing? Yes, he's serious. Serious. So there's a great white throne. When will it happen? At the end of the battle of Armageddon. The dead unbelievers will be there. The books are going to be open and I've got to really hurry. I've got a minute and I'm not going to make it. If you have to leave, I understand. The books are going to be open real quick. Do you know God's keeping an accurate record? Now he mentioned books and books. Books. I know one book is going to be there. The books were open. I'm going to tell you, the first book, jot down the Bible. The Bible, the Word of God, the Law of God is going to be there. I'm going to tell you why it's going to be there in John chapter 12. John 12, verse 48. Jot that down. Here's what it says. He who rejects me and does not receive my words, he who rejects me, and does not receive my words, has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So the word of God's going to be there. Going to be judged by the word of God. The books were open. The Bible's going to be there. The book of law, John 12, 48. I don't know who's saved. I don't know who's not saved. But he knows if you've ever been saved. It's very important what you believe. And it's very, very important who you believe in. John 3. 
just uh, John 3, verse, um, um, I think, Chris, I gave you verse uh, uh, 18. I may go back and read verse uh, eight, uh, 17. But look, if you will, John 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Through whom? Jesus. God, let me read. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but He sent His Son into the world that the world through Him might be saved. Verse 18, He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in Him implied is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He that believes in who? Jesus. No other name. We sang about it, sung about it a few minutes ago. No other name. No other name. No other name. He didn't mention Buddha. He didn't mention anything humanitarianism. He didn't mention personal religion. What you believe is right compared to what the Scripture says. He didn't say you believe in it. He says those that did not believe in Him are condemned. So there's only one name that will keep you from going to the great white throne. And that name is Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible, the book of the law, will be opened. The book of the lost. If you believe that you can work yourself to heaven, you're going to be judged according to those works. That's what he said. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, you've never turned from your sin, turned to Jesus Christ, placed your faith in Him, what He did for you at Calvary, trusted the gospel, believed in the gospel, you're going to be judged according to your works. How's that going to go? You say, well, I give money to the church. Okay, he's jotted that down. All right, you're all right, you're good. He jotted it down. I taught a class in church. 40 years. Okay, he jotted that down. I helped give money to, to pay on the building. or pay, He jotted all of that down. God's got a record of every dime you've ever given and everything you've ever done. He's recorded it in his books. He has a biography on you. And one day your record's going to be exposed. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's no way for you to escape that record of your life unless you trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. How are you going to stand when those books are open? You say, I just don't believe I can stand it. You'll stand it. I'll pass out. They'll stand you back up. You go. You're going to stand before the Lord. He'll just, you pop down, he'll pop you back up. You're going to stand before the Lord, all right? But I want you to listen about the believer's record. Isaiah, listen, listen. I read about my record as a believer. Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43, turn over there. Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, even I. Am who I, even I, 
am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will remember them no more. If you miss church Sunday night, you miss the blessing. If you miss it tonight, you, I don't know where you'll be, but if you're not here, you're going to miss a blessing. Last week, we found out that our sins are separated from us. I'll go on about that in a minute. Look at Isaiah 44, verse 22. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. What does that mean, Brother Sammy? There's no record of my past in heaven. Zilch. Not one iota. Christ has blotted them out. I've been forgiven. And my sins have been separated from me. And no saint, no Christian in heaven is going to know about them. And no angel in heaven is ever going to see them. And no, and God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Spirit will never look upon them. And I'll never see them again because they're blotted out, blotted out, blotted out forever in heaven. That's something to rejoice about. Now, if you're not a believer, you're going to stand there. And it's going to come to mind. Have you ever tried to think about something? And you can't think of it, and all of a sudden it pops to your mind. Have you ever, have you, all of a sudden you thought of something that, that happened to you, like when you're five years old, and you had never thought about that in years and years, and all of a sudden, that's what's going to happen. He's, God's going to remind you of your past. You're going to see it in your mind, play it in your mind. This morning, you may reject Christ as your Savior and Lord. You may reject His rule over you. But if you do, now look at me. Get this down, because it's not me. It's what he said. If you do, your record is going to stand forever, and you shall behold it, and it will be, and you will be judged according to your works. You say, well, what's wrong with that, Brother Sam? It's real simple. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works where anyone can boast about it. No, it won't work. Works won't work in the great, at the great white throne. The books are open, the Word of God, the books, your biography, and the book of life, verse 12. What's the book of life? It's those who settle their account out of court. This is a throne, this is a tribunal, this is a, the judges there, the universe. I settled mine out of court. I mean, as a believer, I, I won't be at the great white throne. I settled it out of court. I got this plea deal offered by God Almighty. You know what he said? He says, listen, I'll tell you what I'll do, Sammy. I'll pay your debt in full. But you have to admit that you're guilty. And I'm telling you, Sammy, you've sinned. You have really sinned. 
And I said, God, I tell you today, I, I repent, I turn by faith, I turn from myself, by faith I trust Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life, who the Bible says that He is, what He did for me, I accept that, I pray, oh God, you'll forgive me and come into my life and save me. I put my trust in Jesus Christ, I trust the gospel for my salvation. Here's the point, every person in this room that's a genuine Christian has said, God, I'm a sinner, and I can't save myself. Please save me. And God saved them, and he settled it out of court. And those who refuse to admit, to believe, to confess, must stand before him at a great white throne, after the battle of Armageddon, when the books are open, there the, the law, the scripture, and your biography, and the book of life. Have you settled out of court? You letting the devil rip you off? Trying to tell you, hey, you don't have to worry about death. There's nothing to this eternal punishment stuff. And, Y'all have another opportunity one day. Really? <clears throat> that's not what God's Word says. And that's what we're going to be judged by. It's His Word. <clears throat> He'll pull it out, no doubt. I don't know what He'll say, but those who've rejected Christ, well, it says here, for all have sinned and come short. Well, again, I want to thank you it for viewing our here. worship service. If you'd Let's like to know how you could come to know Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior, the please feel free to contact our church at the address the listed. God is we also it encourage you to here visit our website. Shall call on the names of the Lord shall be saved. It says here, just read Thank you, and you may God bless you. Have you 